welcome to Gravedigger Radio Podcast, broadcasting live from the afterlife. This is Gravedigger Radio. Alright, well today we're talking to you about voodoo. Yes, we are. And as always, I like to throw you guys under the bus and be like, okay, GDR crew, what do you all know about voodoo? What pops to mind when I say the word voodoo? Well, like we were talking about before the uh, show got kicked off, I was thinking about the Dark Crystal. The, the mm-hmm. You reminded me of the babe, the babe with the power. What power? Power of voodoo. Voodoo. Mm-hmm. That's about all I really know about it. And they'll think of like zombies and, and like uh, voodoo dolls and all yeah, that kind of stuff. Stick pin voodoo dolls. Yeah, like the stick pin stuff. Nothing of Blazing Saddles, you know, go do the voodoo that you do so well. I've never seen that movie. Oh my god. God. I know. I live to disappoint you guys. It is so (sighs) offensive to our, you know, 2021 tastes, but it is the great American satire film. I'll say, I've heard that if it was released today, people would just lose their absolute minds. Everybody needs to go watch it and see it. It's a satire of, you know, race relations and our stupid freaking preconceptions about one another. Anyway, so yeah, that, that you know, those things are the popular conceptions of, of voodoo, and it's been you've seen it and portrayed in you know so many Hollywood movies and everything. But um, looking into it, and you know, I just came back from a vacation down in New Orleans, which is like the hub of voodoo in the United States, and I uh, went on a little voodoo tour and went to some of the shops and read a few books and did some researches, watched watched a few documentaries. I want to try to present a fair, objective account based on research. And uh, see where that kind kind of leads us. Just to throw out a couple of things that I was looking into, um, I got a book here. New Orleans Voodoo, A Cultural History by Drs. Rory Schmidt and Rosary O'Neill. There's a really good documentary, not for the faint of heart, I may warn. It's available on Amazon Prime currently called In Search of Voodoo, Roots to Heaven. And it is hosted and produced by the actor Jamon Hanso. He was in the movie, I think his breakout film was Amistad, about the, about the slave ship. He's actually been in the Marvel movies. He's one of the Kree soldiers. When they first encounter Star-Lord, and he's like, I'm Star-Lord. And he's like, who? Okay, yeah, I know who you're talking about <laughs> yeah, now. that guy. He's been in a lot of movies. Great actor. Love it. He's, he was in um, Gladiator. Okay, yes. He was like his, his buddy in Gladiator that healed him up and taught him a lot about life and stuff. And Love that actor. So he's from Benin, which is a West African country on the coast, which the, the vast majority of the slave trade came through. So he goes back to Benin, and he, he researches voodoo there. In the documentary, documents a lot of it, and uh, like I said, not for the faint of heart, but it's a very like factual presentation of the. So the we're talking about voodoo. the roots, the roots of voodoo. Yeah, Afri- African voodoo. Yeah, 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 tribal stuff. Yeah, and then when I was down in New Orleans, I went on a, a walking tour with a voodoo priest named Roby, who talked a lot about it and took us to some of the sites um, in the French Quarter and in the Treme section. So I'm drawing from all that to kind of put together this. Uh, probably a few episodes will turn out to be because once I get talking, you know how I am. So, <clears throat> what if I told you, listeners, that voodoo was, this is the quote from the book, a monotheistic system centered on healing the self, healing others, and healing the community. In voodoo, practitioners see, feel, and understand the divine. They connect to the divine. They celebrate, venerate, and respect le bon Dieu, which is the benevolent spirit, the good spirit, and no devil exists. Voodoo is not evil, although it can be used to harm this sort of sorcery is greatly found upon. You know how we talked about back in Wicca, like, do no harm. Because if you do harm, you're getting it back. Thrice. Yeah, maybe far worse than you even put out there to begin with. So it's not cool to do black magic, you know, using voodoo practices to perform black magic against others is, is greatly disencouraged. 
it, it's heavily frowned upon. Heavily frowned upon. The word voodoo comes from the African languages and means something akin to spirit or light. Um, you also hear it said as voodoo. So voodoo is kind of just our pronunciation of voodoo. A very similar religion in Nigeria is called juju. You probably heard of juju. Yeah, okay. Like, like bad juju. Yeah, bad juju. <laughs> Some bad juju. Voodoo is the religion, while hoodoo is the practice of the herbalism and medicinal practices of folk medicine that accompanies it. So you don't necessarily have to believe in voodoo and its pantheon of gods, spirit contact, and all that stuff they get into to also do hoodoo. You can just be like a medicinal herbalist healer without being a voodoo religion follower. Isn't there or like, a zombie maker. There's like a lot of ties to Appalachia with hoodoo, with the, the herbalist stuff. Right. We have a lot of our own, like, you know, hedge witch kind of stuff going on. It's the same thing. You know, you know these, like, down-home folk remedies for things. You could call that hoodoo. Okay, because yeah, I've heard of hoodoo, but I never knew exactly what it was, but I've heard of it in, like, the, the Appalachian and, and southern states kind of thing. Yeah, and there's even um, some shops down in New Orleans that are hoodoo shops. So it's nothing about the religion. It's not a, nothing about the interaction with the spirits or the worship of the spirits. It's just if you want to cure this, here's the herbs you need to buy and mix them together in a certain way and do your medicinal stuff. I want to make a zombie. <laughs> we'll get to that. Okay. We'll get to that. I was going to say, this, this sounds way better than, like, uh, kale smoothies and essential oils and all that kind of <laughs> shit. Definitely make a zombie. So, voodoo, the religion. There is, like I the book says, a, a monotheistic tradition. So there is one big daddy god in voodoo, but he is detached. He is far away. He doesn't directly communicate with humans. He doesn't have a way to do that. So voodoo priests called Ungun and priestesses called Monbo are practitioners that can help you find a path to contact the spirit world. And again, this is all doing it right. This is all supposed to be positive for healing or for advice or for, you know, just life skills. These practitioners contact and work through these intercessory or intermediate spirits known as loas or orishas, depending on which you know, African dialect you're, you're going with. Um, also, family ancestors play a great role. Ancestor worship is a huge part of voodoo, and they can communicate with individuals to give advice or deliver messages from beyond. Okay? Um, the loa are, are many, um, some say numbering in the thousands. Um, they have much, I mean, there are a lot of similarities with what the Catholic saints or some of the old gods that we already know, and they all have kind of a certain aspect of life that they specialize in or have an interest in that they want to help out with. Um, some are also powerful nature spirits, like linked to the rivers or the forest or the ocean. Um, they sound a lot like spirits or gods you'd easily recognize from other, even like European pagan traditions. Um, to give an example, Shango. Shango is the god of war, thunder, lightning, and justice. Who's that sound like? I'll say it makes well to me. It makes you think of like Thor. Thor automatically. Yeah. yeah, they've got like a Thor running around. Okay. Um, Popo Legba. Now he's been depicted in you know uh, American Horror Story season three Coven. Um, Papa Legba is a is a figure there, which they get entirely wrong. Um, nah, still a good season though. Yeah, I wish they'd done less with, like, the Teenage Skull for Witches stuff and more with, like, the, the traditional history of voodoo in New Orleans, <clears throat> but whatever. Uh, Papa Legba, he's very popular, and he's a good place to start because he's kind of a gatekeeper figure. He's an elderly, kind of wise man, although he does have, like, a, a rascally kind of trickster side. And he's kind of like the entry point. He stands at the crossroads between our world and the next. So if you want to pass over and contact the spirits, Papa Legba is a good person to kind of lead you on that journey to get you started. Open the door for you, so to speak. Who's the boatman on the River Styx? Karen? Karen. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's a good example. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, Ogo is the god of fire and blacksmithing. Um, Urzuli Freda is the goddess of romance and love. Ezili Laflambo is the goddess spirit of single mothers. Marasa protects children, and Oshun protects um, and helps pregnant women with childbirth and then, you know, like motherhood, being a good mother. Um, you'll notice right away that many of these deities are female gods. So voodoo comes from basically Central and, and Western Africa and from a tribal culture that was matriarchal. Um, most voodoo clergy are women, and the, high, the really high-ranking figure in voodoo, in any given voodoo sect, is the voodoo queen, who takes pride of place in the community and um, during the rituals. Um, so let's go back to the Loas just for a minute. And I'm saying Loa, but it's spelled L-W-A. I'm putting the S on, you know, to pluralize it, but Loa, Loas, whatever. Um, they each have kind of their personality that is kind of represented and indicated during the rituals, um, have like associated cultures or preferences that if you're trying to reach out to them and contact them for some reason, you would kind of follow that, like you would bring the colors to them or the food they the kind of food they like to eat or even the kind of liquor they want to drink to uh, contact them and bring them down, you know, to help you out. And their personalities are kind of reflected in these different preferences and proclivities. So we talked about Ocean. She likes the color yellow. She likes flowers. She likes white wine and she likes oranges. So if you want to call to her or speak to her or ask her for a blessing or for some kind of aid, you'd bring these things to her altar. And when I was walking around New Orleans, um, I found an orange left near the Ogun tree in Congo Square. And I took a picture of that. And I'm like, ah, I know what that is. Somebody is trying to contact Ocean and they left her an orange. See, that's what I, I like. I aspire to right there. Like, I want to be viewed as some group's deity where they just bring me booze and bring me food and be like, smile upon us. And I'll, like, wave my fingers and the power of positive thinking. And, and here <laughs> yeah. you go. Your life's better now. And. Here, have some alcohol. Here, have some rum. So, what did it bring you? Like a, a mango liqueur or something? Or uh, no, no, something no. Something with an umbrella in it? Oh, I'd yes. Like, I'd like to be the god of ribeye steaks. Uh, no kidding. Right. Well, like, bring me, like, uh, some tequila and some tacos. <laughs> and that would be, and I will deliver my divine favor upon you. The, okay. god, the god of tacos. I mean, in a sense, have we not done that with our, uh, our buy me a beer? People like what we do and they want us to keep uh, putting out more episodes. So, they keep buying us beer to keep doing so. Yeah, well, if I'm supposed to be some kind of spirit that you're seeking out for guidance or advice, you are in the wrong place. Oh, yeah. If, if, <laughs> if I am, like, your spiritual center or the person you come to for, yeah. like, like logic you and reasoning. Reconsider your life choices. <laughs> things have gone completely <laughs> off of the rails. I mean, the three of us together may be able to put something together for some more. No, we just perpetuate each other's bullshit. Mm. Like, that tends to be, I mean, Jason tends to be our voice of reason for oh, certain amongst our friends. It's more group. like a bullshit tornado. Yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I would describe us as. Let's go through some more of these. Azili Laflambo, she's a goddess of single mothers, and she's very aggressive and borderline violent. And extremely busy today. Yeah. She prefers the colors of deep royal blue and bright red. During rituals, those possessed by her spirit may run about wielding a dagger. She will cut you. Do not mess with single mothers. Azili Laflambo will sort you out in a hurry. Urzuli Freda, like I said before, the goddess of romance and love, she likes perfume, she likes lace, she also likes white wine. When she manifests herself during rituals, she behaves in a coquettish fashion. Coquettish? Coquettish. What does that mean exactly? So she's very flirty, she really enjoys the attention of men. So she will run about, once she's in possession of a voodoo practitioner, she will run about flirting with men, being flirty and, you know, sexy, I guess. I think this is the moment where Zach becomes a voodoo priest. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, you, I, I did kind of perk up like a prairie dog there, yeah. like, go on. Yeah, coquettish, what does that mean? Um, Ogo, um, he likes fiery reds and oranges. 
But he is the God of justice. He can manifest um, as a kind of a loud authoritarian figure who barks orders and keeps peace through strength and like force, like you know, physical force and force of will. The Marasa are actually trends, uh, twins um, who like black and white candles. They like salt and pepper, children's toys, because like they'll behave like young children during rituals. Like if they manifest themselves, they'll run around making a fuss in the temple. They like eating candy and drinking grape soda. Apparently, <laughs> according to the book, they're big on grape soda. And then we talked about Papa Legba. Maybe this is closer to what, what Anonymous Mike was talking about. Um, he's a bit of an elderly man, but he has a you know a cheeky side to him as well. Um, offerings to him include rum and pipe tobacco, but he does have a useful side. You know, kind of kind of goes along with his like whimsical, tricky side. Um, and he will also like um, indulge in the rare Twinkie or Ding Dong. I was like, this sounds like my kind of guy right here. <laughs> We're talking about, you know, getting pipe tobacco and rum and everything, and then, like, have a gas station snack as well to go along with it. Apparently, according to my guide, uh, Papa Legba, um, he's really popular with the kids, because you'll um, you'll summon him, or you'll you'll make a vey-vey. No, you're, you're doing hand gestures there, Jason. We are an audio-exclusive medium. Yeah. I, make a vey-vey, which is a symbol that represents um, the different voodoo laws. Um, and Papalegva's is a cross. Uh, there's a cross at the center, um, which is because at the crossroads between our world and next. So oh, that, that's, that's cool. That starts with Papalegva, and then he also has a cane that will intersect the cross because he's an old guy and he walks with a cane. But like, so you would draw a veve and you'd offer to him all these sweets and candies that the kids can eat. Now, as a veve, is that kind of like the equivalent of like a voodoo altar, like their like pentagram or pentacle or whatever that you use for your ritual? Then like. You put different symbols with it based on what uh, deity yeah. you're trying to interact with. Yeah, they, they all have um, kind of some basic elements of the veve. Again, it's just a symbol you can you can draw on the earth. My guide did it with chalk, but you wouldn't use that in a ritual. You would use something like um, coffee. Legba likes coffee, so you would draw it out in coffee grains. Okay, so you, based on what deity you're trying to manifest determines the materials you would use from start to finish with this. Yeah, because you know what they like. So if you put down what they like and you draw their symbol on the earth or on a wall or make a ritual to them, you want to include those materials so that they'll be drawn to it. Oh, gosh, I'd be expensive. A pentagram <laughs> of ribeye steaks. <laughs> Pappy Van Winkle. <laughs> oh, right. I don't know. This Papa Legbug sounds like he knows how to get down. I mean, coffee, yeah. rum, pipe he's, tobacco. Yeah. He's Sweet. very He's very popular. I can see why. I mean, all I mean, those things are great. I mean, Twinkies and such? I mean, come on. Yeah, and, and from my understanding, like a lot of the things that you offer, once they've been offered and the, the connection has been established, you can partake of them. Oh, okay. It's, it's not wasted. So you, so let me get this straight. I mean, voodoo sounds fantastic so far. Like, you get, you know, <laughs> hanging out, you're doing some art with your uh, veve that you're drawing out there. Mm -hmm. You get to manifest a deity. And then when you're done, you have a snack? Like, yeah. That sounds right up my alley. Yeah. So you may have picked up on, I've been talking about how these um, loas or spirits, demigods, lesser gods, oh, language fails me, but they will, they will come to these rituals. If you appeal to them correctly, they will come down and they will spiritually possess the priest or priestess. Or sometimes some of the really advanced practitioners can also do this, where they will allow these spirits to possess their bodies. Okay, you getting scared yet? No, I'm, 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 I'm all in. <laughs> So this, this spiritual possession is, is a big part of the ritual. And that, that, that means what you think it means. During rituals, um, these people allow the spirits to possess and use their bodies. And when they come out of it, they describe the event um, like being ridden like a horse. The spirits are in complete control. Um, the hosts claim to remember nothing of the experience whatsoever. 
And it sounds a bit scary, but to them it's not. And it's it's an advanced practice that, like, if you walked into a voodoo temple, hey, I want to do voodoo, you're not going to do it that day. You know, it takes years of practice. You know, it, it can be scary, but it's not not something you want to mess around with, especially if, you know, the goddess of single mothers running around with a dagger. <laughs> I am almost certain that I have, may have dated somebody that was possessed by the goddess of single mothers. Well, I wouldn't put it past you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that doesn't surprise me yeah. at all. I was like, suddenly things make sense. Like, maybe she was a voodoo practitioner and I had no idea. Like, the, the dots are starting to connect now. <laughs> so, for... For the people that can do this correctly, it's not a frightening experience. It's actually a very holy experience, and it's um, sought out for the benefit of the attendees, you know, at the ritual. So, a priest or priestess or very advanced practitioner will allow a spirit to possess their body, and then you're able to talk with them and 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 like sit down. Um, sometimes they'll just go off to a corner, and you can sit down with them and speak with them and get advice, or um, you know, it's like a self-help therapy session almost with the gods. You can ask them for any kind of advice or favors that you have. Uh, maybe, you know, <clears throat> maybe, Zach, you need help in your love life. So you could sit there with a priestess who's been possessed by Erzuli Freda, the god of romance and love, and she'd coach you up. Oh, my okay. God. Is there, a, is there a god of stock picks? Um, maybe. <laughs> I mean, don't they have, like, a god of, like... There's uh, thousands of them, so yeah, probably, yeah. Finance and wealth yeah. and everything. God, There's got to be, I'm sure. You know, like a, a demigod of cryptocurrency. Like, I'm pretty sure, though, if you're using the voodoo gods to pick your winning lottery numbers, I think you might be misusing it just a little bit. Maybe. And you might not get a straight answer either, so... Yeah, what kind of offering would you give them? How would you offer them cryptocurrency? Like, maybe real money. Yeah, maybe real money or something like that. Put it out there. Well, that's the thing. Some of them want money. I mean... Nickels and dimes and stuff like that. Every religion wants money, man. (laughs) (laughs) It all comes back to money. Um, Sometimes you're not... um, necessarily speaking to one of these um, loa, sometimes it's just the spirit of an ancestor. So maybe you'd like to hear from your great-grandfather, or maybe hear some family history from granny. They'll come through, too, and you can sit down and have a conversation with your granny. Maybe her, she's got, like, a great recipe for chicken and dumplings or something, and you can sit down and ask her for that. Um, these possessions are the highlight and the culmination of many of the voodoo rituals. The priests and priestesses will enter, it's like a trance-like state, and while they are possessed, they can sometimes perform almost superhuman acts, often injuring themselves or performing some other difficult-to-watch <clears throat> rituals. Like I said, be warned if you watch the, the documentary that I mentioned that's available on Amazon Prime with Jimon Hanso. Um, especially if you're an animal lover, be a little bit careful. They do some interesting stuff with animals that, you know, offends our sensitivities. You're going to have to go into detail on that because, like... I- what exactly do you mean by interesting stuff? Animal sacrifice is a thing. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. A so chickens thing. and that chickens and type goats, of thing. especially. Yeah. Wasn't there like an issue with that like decades ago with yes. like the big Haitian community in New York or something like that doing yes. animal sacrifices? Are we, yeah. Are we going to get to that? Um, yes. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so animal sacrifice. Well, I mean, we do have to address this as well because it's a big thing. Now we've all seen the horror movies, right? Where they're like cutting chickens open and spraying their blood all over and doing all sorts of nasty things to animals. Well, yeah, that does happen. Now, the animals aren't necessarily made to suffer. You know, they're, they're, they're brought to the ritual and they're executed and they die quickly. And again, the meat is not wasted. They will use this after the ceremonies are completed. They'll have a big feast. They'll cook up the chickens. They'll cook up the goat and eat the stuff. Um, and, you know, it's not, it's not rare or unique unto voodoo that they do these things. I mean, every, almost every major human religion has some kind of history in animal sacrifice, right? I mean, yeah, going going back, or know, even human sacrifice. Yeah, I was gonna say years, mm-hmm. you know, hundreds and thousands of years, and then like yeah. some human sacrifice as well. 
yet. Ooh, no, hopefully they weren't wasted. Yeah, I want hopefully some liver. Well, I'm thinking like the, the ancient Celts, you know, we had the bog people that were found buried deep in the ancient bogs. And were they sacrificial victims? Were they criminals or something? But they seem to have lived because their bodies were pretty well preserved in the peat of the bogs and adorned with like, you know, riches and jewelry and stuff. And we don't quite understand what that was all about. Well, um, I think of like the Aztecs cutting hearts out and all that. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the first one that comes to mind for me. Yeah, that's even worse than often the Celts. But anyway, not passing, but just saying it's a thing. That a lot of, um, you know, pagan traditions have. So, the voodoo also has that no human sacrifice I'm aware of. Yeah, just to be clear, voodoo does not have any human sacrifice, just animals. Mostly goat and chickens, you know, kind of like your barnyard animals. And um, it's mostly the blood they're after. Um, the blood will be, um, it's a scene of kind of a, a spiritual force, like a, an essence of a life. And so, they will, um, the gods want this apparently, um, they will, you know, drain it all over some of the, the altars as just an, an offering to those gods. Um, and then, like I said, they will use the meat from the animals. You know, they'll, they'll pluck the chickens, they'll clean the goats, and then they'll eat them in a big feast. I was saying, like, using the blood and everything's not even unique to voodoo. Like, there's a lot of magical practice out there that mm-hmm. emphasis on blood magic. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the case. The case I found was from 1993 and out of Florida, where a priest practicing Santeria. The Santeria is very... Kind of the same kind of thing. It's more based out of Cuba, but it's almost it's 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 a cousin religion to Voodoo. And a man was found to be sacrificing uh, chickens and goats in his Santeria rituals, and um, he was brought up on charges for animal sacrifice and animal cruelty. But it went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court was like, "Yeah, well, it's a religious ceremony, so he's fine." And they overruled the state of Florida. Oh wow! On his behalf, I'm I'm a little surprised on that one. I wonder, I wonder if we could get away with human sacrifice that way. For saying that it's a religious practice, yeah. that'd be a stretch. That would be. We'd have to have a lot of followers for that one. We'd <laughs> we'd have to get tax exempt status first and everything. I think it's going to be a little bit of a leap. Yeah, to get, I, can, uh, I can think of a few people. <laughs> uh, for for legal purposes, that's a joke, right? Ha <laughs> <laughs> Wink. Anonymous uh, I can, Mike. I can think of a few you're, people. <laughs> you're such a kidder, Mike. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's why we have you on the podcast. <laughs> You'd like to donate to the Grave Digger Radio Legal Defense Fund <laughs> and over to our Patreon. I don't know. I, actually, there's nobody I want to kill. I would like to stick some pins and some dolls, though, for that, a few people. That would make you a boker, a sorcerer, an evil person. Anyway, back to animals. Um, some animals are actually revered in voodoo, especially the serpent. Serpents are seen as possessing powerful, positive spiritual powers and creatures possessing of great wisdom. You know, much as like we might think of an owl, you know, in our, our Western European tradition, we think owls are wise for whatever the hell reason. Um, in Irish mythology, it's the salmon. The oh. salmon is like a really intelligent, wise creature that you can, if you eat the salmon, you can gain like great foresight. I'll say, I love owls, but they are fucking morons. Like they are not wise animals. Oh, I like it. They can yeah. turn their head all the way around. I want to too, but like, have you seen the one to where it's like this owl's like completely puffed up at this, uh, like, little concrete statue of an owl like it's trying to challenge it because it thinks it's another owl and it's like all jacked up and like it's mad and wanting to fight it it's like dude just just chill it's okay have you seen the like with the cats and the cucumbers yes they, you know why though don't you probably a snake they think it's a snake yeah yeah, yeah. Well, see and- there's a reason for that behavior <laughs> um so a lot of times in, in you know voodoo art and everything you'll see pythons because they're you know common big powerful snake in those regions they keep them live too they keep them live yeah. they um will dance with them they perform with them in the rituals i think that's kind of been downplayed a lot you know more in modern times but 
back in the day, especially around the um, in New Orleans, and especially around uh, like Lake Pontchartrain, you would have a lot of like isolated voodoo practitioners who would do snake dances. And I ain't cast no judgment. I'm from Eastern Kentucky. Yeah, I, wa- I watched. <laughs> I watched several YouTube videos and even the modern stuff for just from the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. A lot of these um, uh, reporters and stuff that are you know just doing this in investigation. That these these women will pull a python right from under their dress. Yeah, they're keeping it at their waist. I mean, just well, you know, pythons aren't venomous, so. It's no, not they're, like, they're super cool. Like, it's not they're, like they're these friendly. Eastern Kentucky guys are like throwing rattler snakes around. I mean. No, I'll say I've got some friends. They've got a multitude of ball pythons, and they just hang out. Like mm-hmm. I had it around my neck, and it just like gave yeah. me a little massage as it was like trying to explore and go around. I mean, I mean, I mean my wife cool. always says that I've got a python underneath my you know, underneath your skirt. Yeah, underneath your skirt. <laughs> it's say. a kilt. A lot of well, mixed, it's a kilt. A lot of mixed messages here. <laughs> one, one of them pygmy pythons, huh? I didn't know they made them that small. <laughs> Fucking corn snake at best. <laughs> Um, animals and even animal remains can, you know, maintain and contain a lot of power for use in voodoo rituals. Um, also, you'll see human bones as well that symbolize mortality and the closeness of, of, of death. So you'll see a lot of um, icons and symbols that will, you know, have skulls or human bones involved in them. All right. Well, that's actually all the time we've got for today. Join us next time for part two or how many ever parts we end up with this voodoo stuff. I got a lot of voodoo inside me, man. Oh, I, you should probably get that looked at. Like, I don't know what went down on your New Orleans trip, but you might want to get that checked out. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us here at Gravedigger Radio. If you like what we do and you want to help us keep doing it, head over to our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Gravedigger Radio. Or if you just want to do a one-time donation, you can do that at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Gravedigger. No chickens or goats, please. No chickens or goats, but we do have it set up. Instead of buying us a coffee, you're actually buying us a beer. And we promise to drink it on the show. Also, be sure to come out and see us at Scarefest in Lexington, Kentucky, October 22nd through the 24th. All right, then, until next time, tune in for another spooky tale.